Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Wit, Episode 1. In this podcast and video series, we will discuss and explore the creative and artistic expressions of artists and performers in Oklahoma City and its neighboring cities, also known as the Greater Metro Area by some. I will be your host. My name is David Steele. I am a bass player, a music producer, a graphic designer, a photographer, and a film hobbyist. My co-host is Nicholas Campbell, a stand-up comedian, singer, songwriter, guitar player, electrical contractor, as well as a husband, a father, and my best friend for over two decades. In today's episode, we share some of our thoughts about creating music and working with other musicians, as well as some of our ideas about video and marketing for music. We also share some of our experiences and memories of our first band together, Aliens vs. Robots. We hope you enjoy today's episode, and please be sure to subscribe to our podcast feeds and YouTube channel for new episodes dropping every Friday. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Rhythm and Wit with me, David Steele. And me, Nick Campbell. We're here to talk to you today about music. Music is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I've been a bass player for uh, 17 or 18 years now, so... And it's something that Nick and I have done together for a long time when in, in our uh, early 20s. We were in a rock band called Aliens vs. Robots, so we have some experience going back to the 2008, 9, 10 era. Uh, so, Nick, uh, I had some topics I wanted to bring up today. Let's hear it. Uh, about music and things that we've done in our life and, and, and maybe different ways of, of writing music. Uh, so, I had a question for you about coming up with the vocal melodies because that's something that I I'm not a singer but uh, I think that it's something I think about a lot I listen to lyrics and vocals a lot as a bass player and, and kind of form my bass lines around the vocal melody a lot of the times so I was just wondering if you would talk about kind of your process because I think a lot of people don't might not know you especially if you're just starting or maybe you, some people do it a certain way and they don't know if there if there is another way. They just do it how they do it. But I think there are different approaches. So can you talk yeah. about your approach? Well, um, my favorite approach is getting with a group of people and then just playing music and then just singing over top of it um, and then kind of just being in the ebb and flow of the music. I feel like that produces a more... It produces a better melody as far as vocals go and you can get a real feel for what you're doing. Because whenever I'm doing... Because other than that, I, do, I play my acoustic or I play a, a guitar and I'll just sing over it at, as loud and as wrong as I can mm -hmm. and then eventually I'll find something I like and then I'll go okay I like that let me keep that piece and then I'll just kind of keep doing that but whenever you add it later to the entire band it's gonna change right so um, there's one way then the other way is the shower you just yeah. go off in the shower and then you try to keep it in your brain until you can get to a guitar so you might come up with a melody occasionally it sounds like when we would play, we would all get together and come up with some parts on the guitar and bass and drums, and then you would hear, I think you probably hear the melody in your head, and you're, or you try something out, and you're like, oh, that fits, and you might go into that and uh, follow that. But another way would be you hear the melody in your head without any other music, and you kind of take that and then write a song around that. Is that right? Yeah, or I mean, I mean, they just pop up. Melodies right. will just kind of pop up in your brain, um, and then you'll like, oh, I like, I'll sing it into the voice memos of my phone, and then I might add a guitar mm -hmm. uh, part to it later. Or something I like to do whenever we were playing, uh, you guys were my accountability, so I had to bring, I tried to bring something new or mm -hmm. something, and you know I me, mean, I like to improvise, anyways. So. Uh, so that's always fun for me is to bring something because I knew you guys would try to like like it. If you like it, 
if you like that piece of music or whatever, then that makes it that yeah. much easier to play or ma- add mm-hmm. to it, you know? But that's kind of the only way you know if it's any good or not, or it's like you might think it's good in your head, but as soon as somebody else says, oh, I like that, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. it is good. Well, it's like... <laughs> Thanks. Whenever you're doing comedy and there's an yeah. audience and the audience is going yeah. with the joke, then you can build on the joke more. It's almost if they like you more, and you, it, you do right. better. Yeah, you yeah. do better. You act different. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's the same think. way if you're listening in a crowd and like you're listening to a band and nobody's enjoying it, the band acts that way. Yeah. They you feed off of each yeah, other. Yeah. They it's look a sad. Symbiotic relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that's definitely true in lots of performance. What um, about you, though? Do you have. For, oh well. Do you have stuff that go in your melodies, or do you? How do you write? Or the other side of the coin for you and me, anyways, is my bass lines. Like I find a lot of inspiration for bass lines, mostly through the drum beat. You know, maybe weirdly enough, I don't know. I'm sure different bass players might do it differently, but I think that because I noticed this because when I was just playing by myself a lot, I would just put on a drum beat random drum machine app or something like that and play along with that but it's like if i were to just play with a click track you know i'll just i don't know come up with something but playing off of a drum beat you kind of fill in certain gaps and you kind of find a way in to meld with something i think on the bass um it's on the rhythm side for sure you have you can't just you know play anything on top of a drum beat i think they work together in a way so I do, you know, usually a drum beat will kind of inspire a specific rhythm or part for me on bass. I also look at like counter melodies or I try to with, with the vocals, like I was talking about vocal melodies are the kind of the other side of that for me on bass because you have the rhythm side, you're trying to sync up with the drums, yeah. but then you also have to worry about the guitar melodies and the vocal melodies because you're playing a melody, I play melody on bass, not a lot of bass, you don't have to because it's more, you can play a more rhythmic bass which is you know straight, but I like the melody part of it. You kind of have to have the vocal melody before the bass line can even become what it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because well, you have to yeah. know where you can fit in and stuff like that the same way. Well, I feel the same way with <clears throat> vocals against the drums. Like, mm-hmm. I like placing my... Because you don't want to step on each other. Right. That's yeah, what it comes into. You want to find your space and not step on each other. But I try to play with the drums in my vocals. Like, if he hits the snare, I like to, like... If that is impactful, I like to, like, do it at the same time as the vocals. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes yeah, it... Or, I'll, or if you're trying to tell a story, you try to do your vocals in between the hits. Right. You know? That mm-hmm. way people can hear them. Yeah. So, sure, it's yeah. really about the effect you want to make. Mm-hmm. You know? So that kind of leads me to lyrics in a way. I mean, vocal melody, you have to come up with the melody, but you also have to come up with the lyrics. Mm -hmm. I like poetry a lot as far as just the, you know, imagery of of words and putting words together and forming uh, imagery with poetry. So I kind of understand lyrics from that aspect when I think about them. And I've written some of, mostly coming at it from a poetry angle where it's like, I don't think about music at all. It's all on the rhythm of a beat of words and syllables and rhyme and all that and repetition. So uh, is that something that you're interested in poetry at all? Or uh, I know that we've talked a little about storytelling on the pilot episode, Watch Now on YouTube. Um, So what can you tell me about uh, writing lyrics? Um, lyrics for music was always kind of tough for me. I mean, I could write for myself, it seemed like, but I didn't want to bring it out to people, you know? I, we had a hard time with that whenever we would write songs. We would write songs in the music and everything, and then I just wouldn't write the lyrics for the longest time mm-hmm. because I, it was, it's a way of being vulnerable that I wasn't right. comfortable with at the time. Now that I've done comedy, I'm pretty much comfortable in any like writing anything at this point because when you take it on stage and it bombs in front of a lot of people... I mean, that's the worst as it can get, <laughs> you know? Um, but then out of that, you get confidence because you're like, oh, nobody really cares. Mm-hmm. If it's not impactful, then nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Like, they just hear it, it was kind of not right, and then right. they move to the next thing because they want that dopamine dump, mm-hmm. you know? Um, as far as lyrics go, though, I try to write, I mean, free writing, just write every day, and then um, mm-hmm. 
something I did when I was younger that I'm very grateful for instead of doing work in class. Either finish my work quickly or just completely, like in pre-calc, I wouldn't even do the work. But, <laughs> but I would write lyrics or I would take songs that I loved and write the lyrics down and dissect them and take them apart and then go, how are they doing the thing that I like? And then add it to the songs that I did. And I don't know if you remember this, but like back in the day, this is like back when we were 16. You remember Chad from Subway? Do he had a recording place that he worked for, right, a recording yeah, studio, and we recorded an EP mm-hmm. when I was 16. And uh, and yeah. he would mention he was like, man, your lyrics were really good yeah. for your age. Right. And I was just yeah. like, ah, I just, <laughs> you know, I'm really just copying Dashboard Confessional and right. Weezer, you What's know. But yeah, I think that's all we can do. As mm-hmm. I mean, I think as human beings, it's you you see other people do something and you're like oh i think i can do that too ideally you put your own spin on it put you know yourself into it but you have to see it first yeah <laughs> yeah you know what monkey see monkey do right my daughter it's funny she did this yesterday but my wife drew a picture a painting mm-hmm. and i don't know if you've ever done this but you just draw a bunch of lines and then within the lines it can create a picture mm-hmm. or patterns and then you just color or play with that you know and my daughter saw it and she went to the table took her own stuff did it and then showed liz now it's it was a it was a, her interpretation of this of the piece yeah but it, <laughs> it had moments in it where it was like oh that's kind of how mm-hmm. what liz did here you know and then she she does that all the time she's gonna she's a she's an artist she's gonna be that you know that's well, what that's and that's great i think that i mean i honestly think we're all artists every human is capable of all art is is self-expression everyone learns how to express themselves in some way but you know a lot of people might think oh i'm not artistic because i've never drawn or played an instrument or did anything but you know however you express yourself that's an artistic form in its own but it's great i think that you're raising your kids to have these skills and expressing themselves yeah uh already at a young age and they're going to do something artistic and maybe she's not going to be a visual artist who knows she could be anything well she can take those skills and apply them in different places something that we try to teach the kids which i wish somebody would have taught me but it's uh how you talk to yourself while you're doing your art Mm -hmm. and not to edit yourself while you're being creative um you editing can be saved for later but once you start that practice of editing or talking negatively about the work that you're doing as you're doing it it then you can't create in a free non-pressured atmosphere even from yourself inside here which is like that's the only place you got to go to be alone you know mm-hmm. we try to tell them try to start them off that way yeah don't even give them that that deep, deep. and you can tell how good we were at telling them based on what age the kid is so like my oldest, he yeah. still has it more yeah. because we had it more he back didn't then. didn't realize then. But yeah. the youngest, I feel so bad for the first two because the youngest has gotten the benefit of all of our experience. Yeah. You know, it's like that. when I was adopted by my grandparents, mm-hmm. they had three kids that mm-hmm. up before they got to me. They <laughs> knew when to hang back. They knew when to mm-hmm. put in, you know, they, my, my parents were really good at raising kids after they messed yeah. up those first three. Anyways, uh, the next kind of thing I was wondering about with music specifically was guitar playing and and, and um, so I'm a bass player. I've only ever played bass. <laughs> I play a little bit of drums. I do music production, so I can make a ton of cool stuff on with a computer. But when it comes to playing an instrument, bass is really the only thing I've studied or practiced. So, but and I'm meaning bass guitar versus six string guitar, which is what you play. Um, what would you uh, say is a good way for someone to start off if they're if they're trying if they want to learn guitar do you have any tips for a brand new beginner guitar player well this is perfect because i'm rylan my right. son is starting <laughs> right now up, that was a good transition i didn't even know it yeah he was <laughs> done, dude. Uh, but my my oldest he's 14 he's starting to get that's that's when i started and uh, we have tons of guitars in the house and have always had them all around him all his life he's seen me play he sang with me while i play but he's just now getting into i want to play and he's taking the steps to start and he asked me up front or what should i do how should i start and i told him this is for me you know you, you kind of find your own way whenever you're doing that but when we grew up it was mx tabs mm-hmm. do you remember mx tabs <laughs> 
And what I try not to do is tell him what to do with it. I tell him just, just go and play. That's why they call it play guitar. Mm-hmm. So you just go play with it. It's just, uh... Try to make the notes and sounds in your head and put it on the guitar. And something that a guitar teacher taught me, um, what he taught me was try to sing the notes as you play them so mm-hmm. your your mind gets, like that note gets mapped right. to the guitar. So you, you also learn how to find notes with your voice. Mm-hmm. Um... And those were the three things I told him. Try to find the notes with your voice, play with it, and follow your sensibilities. You know, I told him you can do scales, you can do chords, you can find an easy song, you know, but whatever sparks your interest, follow that trail, because it's gonna send you that way. And then just give it a little bit every day is better than a lot once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that would be, other than that, I don't really want to skew anybody's view on what right. they should be doing. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be playing the songs I want to play. Right. You should play the songs you want to play. And then follow that line, that interest, mm-hmm. because you're going to learn better from the interest than you are from any person. Right. I think it's important, too, when you're learning stuff is to have fun. If you're not having fun, yeah. you're not going to want to keep doing it, so you're not going to be get it better. <clears throat> um, and kill that editor. That's really yeah. just talk to yourself nice man this is fun Mm -hmm. man i'm doing a good job man i learned this note real good try to be grateful for the positive one thing i've learned about learning recently when you're learning something and you get frustrated that's actually a trigger that if you don't get frustrated when you're learning something your brain doesn't know it's anything's wrong so that triggers neuroplasticity in your brain to actually pay attention to that mistake that made you frustrated and then whenever you go back you go to sleep come back the next day play it again your brain will have learned that hopefully not to do that mistake frustration is actually good in a lot of cases it's like when you go yeah. in and you do something and it's wrong, you get frustrated. It really should just be, oh, this is a signal of where I'm. Right. This is That's where I can I mean. fix something. Yeah, exactly. But it's I think discouraging. First, Sometimes yeah. it can be too discouraging, and then you just want to put it down and never yeah. go back to it. When, when it's in reality, frustration is there for a reason. It, it's a trigger. It's your brain recognizing something's wrong. And another thing I can add to that is the. Uh, when something is too challenging, mm-hmm. you know, cause you'll either, something that makes you quit is the fact that it's too challenging, it seems insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and your body wants just a little bit of challenge. It wants a little bit, you know, and overcome that challenge and move to the next one. When you teach kids, you start with one and two, one plus one, mm-hmm. two plus two, but you, then you get to two double numbers, right? And I see my kids get frustrated in that yeah. way. Well, then you go and you take it in smaller bites. So you go, okay, let me play this section slower to a metronome right. let's slow it down let me do it 10 times right and then speed it up mm-hmm. you know like and I do you do the same thing I feel like all art is that slow down practice this piece practice mm-hmm. this brush stroke right and then you can yeah. get faster and better and it won't take as long as it did in the beginning yeah well and lower your expectations mm-hmm. that's a big yeah. one you know it's like don't, yeah don't expect that you're gonna be able to play a whole song in, in a week you know Define success differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, just whatever. I played this one note perfect. All right, good. That you won today. Can that's I ask all, you a question? Yeah. I got some questions. That's, I I say, questions. that's all of my questions that I had on the topic of music. Uh, but yeah, you can just. Because I was curious about your influences. Okay. How do you ta- how do you turn your influences into your art? You know, like mm-hmm. you you don't want to take too much because right. then you're them, but you also want to take enough to where you're. I like this piece. How do I apply that to my Mm-hmm. my work how do you do that I don't never think of anything in, in, in specifics like I'll hear I've got like a playlist on Spotify of stuff songs that I'll just hear kind of randomly and like oh I really like this thing that they did on this production guitar and I'll save that into the playlist and just kind of reference that whenever I want ideas for and it has nothing to do with the genre or the style or whatever it's just more of the sound of the tone or, or a, kind of a trick of reverb or effect or something like that that I do a lot when I come across it. And wow. So you listen to the production aspect yeah, a lot of the as times. well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do for sure yeah. because I'm always paying attention to that. Yeah, whenever there's like a cool like vocal thing, it's like, oh, I love that. I want to try to do that sometime, you know. And I might not do it right away, but like I said, I save it 
and I'll come back to it hopefully at some point. And, and when it comes to more of the musicality, I think that stuff, I just kind of internalized all of it. Everything that I listen to, you kind of just, it, come, it goes in, you know, you don't, I don't ever think of anything specifically, but it's going to come back out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Once you know what's possible. Because I never think about, anytime I write anything, I never have an idea of what it is. Like, I never think of, in the kind of the opposite where you're talking about, when you think of the melody first, that almost never happens to me. Which is also maybe a downside because I never really learned how to translate <laughs> the my melody thoughts into. I mean, I, I'm better at it now for sure, but I never was good at that. When it comes to playing, I, I take a piece somebody else's, a guitar player, a singer, songwriter has the song, and it's like, okay, I, what what is the baseline for this? I don't come up with it. I think the baseline, it's there and you just have to find it you know and, or it's and it could be lots of different things it's not just one thing i mean three different bass players could come up with three different bass lines for the same guitar chord progression or whatever and they're all right yeah you know none of them yeah. i mean it's just your expression of it and yeah i think that it's just i listen to what what's needed and i try to fill that in and you know, I'll have to play with it a little bit in the beginning and because I'll try stuff and it's like, no, that's not it, that's not it. Oh, that's it, I got it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of just... Well, you, it dings it. you. If you feel right. it on the yeah. inside. you have to listen yeah. to... That's why I think that it's more... I pay attention to the music itself more than what I think, anything that could, I could think, you know. it's it's It tells me what it needs to be. But, uh, you know, doing what's right for the song mm -hmm. like I remember whenever we first started we would butt heads a little bit mm -hmm. a little mostly because we're a little insecure about our abilities yeah, we, were, we didn't know what we were doing not that we do now but when we <laughs> all came together and we're like all right it doesn't matter what the part is how much effort we put into it what matters is what's right for the song mm -hmm. and when we came into it like that and we worked together you know it was always the best case I mean the best solution to I think we had two um, mottos Mm -hmm. One was do what's best for the song, mm -hmm. and the other one is it doesn't have to make sense. It just has that's to sound same. good, and that was our that's what our guiding light mm -hmm. while we wrote songs. Now my question to you is: We were best friends when we started, but you've worked in more bands mm -hmm. that were from people you never met before. Right, yeah. So how do you maneuver mm -hmm. around people and their emotions mm -hmm. and their insecurities with their music yeah it's people are different i think you have to learn the person you have to yeah. and you have to get to know them it's hard to just work well with someone you don't know i mean obviously i've met a lot of people through music and gotten to know them but it takes a while to kind of sometimes you know it's like it, you know pretty early on i think when you start playing with someone whether or not you are on the same page a lot of the times and I think that's important because you don't want to be in a band with too much conflict I will say that conflict in a band is actually good though or it can be why like do you I say said, that? there's a limit you don't want too much but I think of this um, there's this little band uh, from the 70s kind of popular named Led Zeppelin <laughs> and uh, they were had a lot of conflict within the band well I think and I'm not saying I'm talking about their conflict on stage because they were always out doing each other they were like mm. no I'm gonna play this 15 minute guitar solo well John Bonham's like no well I'm gonna play 15 minute drum solo <laughs> and how do yours you know and they would do that and that's what I think was interesting about that and I think that so there are ways that you can that I think you shouldn't try to all just be all get along and be happy because like he said earlier too you have to find the the best option for the song and whatever I think is not probably the best solution it's gonna be what I think is best over here what you think is best on this and you know we have to com compromise come together and, and make a good product let me ask you this what <clears throat> traits do you look for with somebody who is easy to work with and how do you manage working with someone who's difficult for me when I'm meeting a new musician I mean usually you just gotta be laid back I mean 
be easy to work with and not, you know, try to control everything. If any, seeing as somebody tries to control things, I'm like, this isn't going to work because, you know, it's not about that, you know. Whenever somebody tries to control anything about the project, right, it's like, um, it's all got to be a give and take, you know, it's all a compromise. And so there should be a vision, but also that shouldn't be the end all be all. Uh, there always has to be, you have to be flexible, I think, is important. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, being flexible, being uh, just a nice person. I mean, that's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of assholes out there that you kind of know right away. And so I don't even waste my time. So um, I don't have too much trouble with it, honestly. I like to think now, I'm, as I get older, you learn a lot from mistakes and, and there's stuff that I would have done differently if I, you know, if presented with the same situation today, but of course, it is what it is. What do you think, during our time, because if I'd have known better, I would have just asked straight up a lot of times, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, communication. <clears throat> is, but we were always pretty good at it as it was. Honestly, one of the biggest things in, in any relationship is communication. I think, yeah, it's one of the most important things, and I think that it's can be simple I mean but I think that having a good text thread you know or text communication and actually utilizing it not being respectful of people's time is another thing that I, I'm a big stickler for just because I put a lot of value on my time I think we all do that's why it's so hard to work with people a lot of the times because they've got other stuff that it's you know more valuable to them and rightly so with you know if they've got family or personal things they need to deal with um, you have to work around with that, you know, that goes back to the flexibility thing. Um, but yeah, communication, just don't, just talk to each other, you know, be open and honest and don't, don't try to manipulate anyone or try to control things and you'll be good. I think that comes from a place of insecurity mm -hmm. when you're trying to control, cause you're trying to get, I mean, say you have a problem with you, mm -hmm. but then I go around to my other bandmate and I'm like dude do you think this is an issue with, mm -hmm. with Dave and it's like okay well maybe we could team up on that and yeah. now you've got a situation when ultimately you could just come to you and be like hey man I'm, I'm seeing right. this yeah. are you seeing this just be honest yeah. and don't be afraid to talk to each other I think yeah. and a lot of times things could get blown out of proportion mm -hmm. when it's not you know just because it's unsaid it's like uh, it's like when you like a girl mm -hmm. and you have a crush on her and if you don't go ask her on a date well then that crush just kind of swells and consumes yeah. you and then yeah. it becomes over it's like it's the same thing mm -hmm. with that you know it's, yeah we have to or when you put something off for a long time and then you're like oh I gotta do this but it becomes it seems insurmountable or overwhelming mm -hmm. yeah was there anything else on that topic music on... videos mm -hmm. I have a question alright for music because <laughs> one of the big things for me when I was younger was MTV music videos right. I mean that was that was how I consumed my music for the longest time and you know it, the problem with MTV was they were giving you a curated mm -hmm. obviously yeah. involved a lot of money you know <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they were there in the first place because indie music came after and you know that I mean the Strokes and Death Cat for Cutie and Bright Eyes once I found them I was like oh music that I love isn't really coming yeah, from this place right. but there are other options but there's nowhere <laughs> you can watch somebody play a guitar mm -hmm. and just you know that that was our YouTube mm -hmm. you know yeah Back in the day, there was no, that was, that was, if you wanted to see video of music, <laughs> they had music videos. Yeah. But now you do it on reels. I feel like reels yeah. and all that. But yeah, um, there's tons of options these days. So. As a, as a, you do a lot of marketing, you're a graphic mm -hmm. designer. How do you feel people need to market their music? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh music videos in general all it is is a commercial for your music right i mean all they that's all they've ever been <laughs> that's why they put so much money into them back in the day is because that's their marketing budget you know for the big you know big corporations of course so that was a part of the marketing of the album or whatever single they were trying to promote which is no different today <clears throat> now we use youtube i mean we can use youtube use instagram um, in TikTok reels and whatever social media that has those type of videos so and it's easier now I mean of course I've always loved video I think I've always been fascinated by being able to capture 
you know, something in a moment in time on a, you know, and then taking it and then using it to tell a story or anything that you see me do or doing with my projects or bands, like just steal it, do the same thing. If you don't know how, ask me, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, it's like, I'll help you. you That's know an what open I mean? invitation. Yeah, like just hit me up. I want to help. You know, everyone be better, especially if if they need help. I can point you in the right direction. You know, at least we all have these phones that are incredible, have incredible resolution and really nice um, capabilities of recording sound and video. That you can just you know, if you're an acoustic guitar player. You can just set your phone up and just hit record and like that's good enough for for youtube or you know for youtube definitely for instagram or whatever just get your music out there and it's in instagram and all those make it a lot easier to add extra little graphics or text or whatever you want you know use that to promote your shows like post yourself playing a you know acoustic version of your song and be like hey come check out the full band this friday and post the address and time you know i think that that's it's easier than ever to share these videos and people love videos they love to see other people doing stuff and, and actually seeing it photos are great you know text is okay but video it's like okay i, yeah. I feel like uh, you know it's the closest you can get to actually being there and experiencing something i think so something i noticed too is if uh if people see you doing stuff to help yourself like making the videos posting all the time you're interacting with the people in the comments they're more willing to help you out like come support right and uh, that's the hardest thing i feel like is getting people to come support we all live in these little bubbles and we just think you know we have our friend groups our families and all that but i mean there's like half a million people in the city <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. i mean there's a lot of people out there and our city's not very big but you know it's getting bigger and there it's not as big as like a los angeles or you know chicago or any big city even dallas but you know we're we're growing and there's a lot of people out there that want you know they want to come out and support i think it's so disconnected we just need to oh, yeah. connect to, you know and that's another reason i, I want to put the time into this and do this kind of stuff is to to help grow this community and and connect us back together i think we've been disconnected for obvious reasons over the you know yeah. past few years but now's the time to to build back better to steal the the words of a great president <laughs> <laughs> oh uh something i would recommend for any musician anybody doing music i would recommend uh earplugs yes the... i just recently <laughs> started i never luckily after 18 years my hearing is still pretty good, I think. It might, it probably could be better, but I don't have tinnitus yet. Knock on wood. Amen. Uh, yeah. um, so, but yeah, I started wearing earplugs on stage, and I think it's actually a good thing for me. I've noticed it, it actually helps kind of cut down a lot of noise, and you can hear the music more clearly when I'm playing with yeah. earplugs. So I think it's very important. I, you know, I wish I would have. And there's really nice ones. The thing I always hated about earplugs is it would, it would be too much. Like it would just, I couldn't hear anything. But they have really nice ones that kind of don't do that. They're more expensive, but you can get some decent ones on, on Amazon. And um, they're really nice and they don't cut out everything. I can still hear what I need to hear. And it, it protects my ears. You were the lead singer and songwriter of a band called Aliens vs. Robots. Some would say the best band on <laughs> earth. Yeah. Um, that was from 2008 to 2012. Is that correct? I thought it was like 2006. Well, that's unofficial. <laughs> <laughs> we played for two years in the garage. Uh, but that was our building time. That was our woodshedding. Yeah. yeah. But as far as Aliens versus Robots playing shows, right? Yeah. That, that's why I yeah. always thought was our active years. Yeah, we were playing with our best friend named John Childress uh, on the drums. Shout out to John. Yeah, love you, bud. Um, great drummer. Uh, 
He's the best. Very creative. Yeah. Um, it was a fun time. We played, played together. That was our. We learned so much during that time. We grew up since like sixth grade together, mm-hmm. and so we knew each other really well, and we knew each other's influences really well. Mm-hmm. We liked the same kind of right. music. We we traded the same kind of music, and uh, so we didn't have to assimilate much. And I wasn't nervous around you guys mm-hmm. because you were like brothers. I played in other bands. And nothing ever clicked like it did in that one. Um, so what were some of the highlights about playing in Aliens vs. Robots? Um, specifically, maybe like favorite shows or kind of experiences that you had playing with the band? Uh, I learned a lot about how to deal with people creatively. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, one of the things I learned was to, there's a negative effect to telling somebody something's wrong and is it worth the trade? You have to feel like you're adding. Right. And if you take away somebody's ability to add, mm-hmm. then and so we learned that early. We were able to make mistakes early with each other. Uh, but a highlight for me, and it, it's not a good thing for me, but it's a highlight. Uh, yeah. Um, and one of the reasons why I lost my stage fright, I tell this story all the time, but uh, Two years into playing shows. We were playing shows for two years. <laughs> like, we were playing with Moon Taxi. It's a pretty big name. Yeah. Uh, at the what used to be... The Conservatory. The Conservatory, which is now 89th Collective. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Um, but I would shake on stage. Mm-hmm. And I would get very... I would My voice would quiver from the fear of being on stage. From all the stage fright. Right. And, uh, and the only reason that show went bad was we practiced three or four times a week right. for three or four hours at a time <laughs> yeah. and we practiced great but I would get up there and I would falter and so at the end of that show the guy from Moon Taxi came up and was uh, like hey you did great yeah <laughs> you know, I was like I don't that doesn't sound like I did like, great that was that great like yeah dad saying like, like yeah uh, keep at it you, <laughs> you did it <laughs> you know but then you came up to me afterwards and you were like hey man look I'm not going to stay in the band <laughs> if you can't yeah. do what you do in the garage. Right. And I was like, you know what, man? There's, there's no reason for me to be like this. I have the chops. Mm-hmm. I can put this together. And Dave's right. And then I started wearing sunglasses on stage. Yeah. And slow. And then I eventually Which, took them off. That's something I still do. <laughs> for that I reason? Think, yeah. Well, really? part of it. But I think, it's, I think it's just, you know, when you're cool, the future is always bright. <laughs> <laughs> gotta wish Dave. Um, uh, another milestone was uh, one of our last shows was like a big EP release. Yeah, the release at the Blue Note. Yeah, um, I remember that show. That was probably one of our biggest crowds. That and our one and only performance at Norman Music Festival in 2012. That, that was a massive. That was crowd. fun, dude. But the the EP release was something really yeah. special. I think. Well, it was, it felt, you know, normally you do a show and you're doing a show in front of people, but it was all our fans. Mm-hmm. It was all our crew. Yeah. And we packed the house. Everyone that ever yeah. supported us pretty much showed yeah. up and... And my mom and dad were there. Yeah. My mom and dad were selling CDs. You know? <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were selling they were, the EP. They and were in charge of the merch booth. That's also where I met Liz, my wife. At the show. You remember? Because <laughs> uh, we had played with J.J. Wood. Yeah. Uh, J.J. Wood Comedy on Instagram. <laughs> Good guy. Uh, yeah. She she ended up uh, seeing us on stage, and I had said some joke where I was like, if we sell all these CDs oh, tonight, I'm going to take right. off my clothes on stage. <laughs> but I knew I had, like, two boxes in the back. <laughs> But she thought it was funny, and yeah. then she hit me up after, yeah. and then the rest is history. But um, but that was a highlight, because it was like the first... And interacting with the crowd and playing mm-hmm. the music, people were into it, and it felt more organic, you know? We weren't just playing at people, we were playing for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was fun. So that yeah. was a highlight for me. And then getting in the Gazette. That was a good show. For me, it was when we gave our demo CD to Fabrizio Moretti. Oh, yeah! Because <laughs> oh, oh. he, he was playing with some another side project or something. What band was Little that? Joy. That, it's uh, like one of my favorite bands. Yeah, that, yeah. I still listen to their, some of their stuff. Uh, we saw them play at the conservatory, and we went up to him, shook his hand, and just talked to him for, like, I don't know, a couple minutes, and we gave him our our demo CD <laughs> and like we just 
imagined that the Strokes got to listen to Alien vs. Robots. I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then use that Probably, as a coaster for the rest knows, of their life. You that, know? that kept me going for yeah. like at least six more months. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, we were so, <laughs> we were so excited. Fabrizio from the Strokes. Well, honestly, so... no. I, other than that, I think, no, definitely the... I would say like that last show at, at Norman Music Fest was very special. Yeah. It was just something that just playing for a bunch of strangers that have never heard of you but also like really dig it and and really get into the music so i think that after playing for six years together you get to a point where you know you just are reading each other's minds well in the three to four days a week for three to four hours at a time that's what i was gonna get at i mean we were very consistent with rehearsal and practice not only because we were in our early 20s and had no other (laughs) you know uh, other responsibilities really so one thing I was going to bring up about rehearsing in general for any bands I mean in my experience you got to stay consistent with it I always say if you can if you have a band and you want to be consistent try to rehearse every week once a week at least I mean if it's Saturday every Saturday you make a point to do it every Saturday you won't hit every Saturday but if you could hit 45 out of 52 weeks, that's a lot, you know. Yeah. But there's going to be days that not everybody, it's going to fall apart. It's going to happen. You have to kind of expect that. You can't expect that you're going to be there every week, and, you know. But if, if you can hit 45 weeks a year, you're going to be tight after that year, and, and you're gonna ha- not going to have any problems. So that's just something I wanted to bring up with in terms of rehearsal, so... Yeah, we did it over 150 times a year. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's... We, <laughs> it was multiple times a week. Which, yeah. if you have the time, do it, and you will yeah, get the benefits. We'll grow. But yeah. it's, hard for, it's hard for anyone to, to get together, even once a week, when you're, you know, older and in your 30s and 40s and whatever. I mean, you got your kids, you got your family, you got your own situation, so it's tough. But it's doable. I think the very first show I'd ever played was in your apartment <laughs> at Drexel. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I think it was around Halloween. It might have been on Halloween, even. But I think yeah. that that may have been part of the inspiration that led to Dave of the Dead, um, my uh, Halloween party that I've done maybe three or four times now. And something that I think we've always done is creating your own opportunities for gigs. Oh, yeah. Because that's something that, you know, you don't have to, you know, if you can't get booked at, you know, any of the clubs in Oklahoma City or Norman or wherever you're trying to play at, I mean, just if you've got the space, get creative with it, you know, find, I mean, we've rented out a place, what was that place, like Will Rogers, like, uh, Toolshed, event center, some little building for, I don't even know, it wasn't very much back then, but. Uh, you know, just to have a place to play and invite friends. And, I mean, we had at least, you know, 10, 15 people come over and watch us. I mean, there are opportunities out there where you can rent a space if you've got the money or put the money together. Or, I mean, if you've got a garage, I mean, you can, and and your neighbors are cool with it, you can put on shows in your house, in your garage. I mean, if you just kind of, or if you have a friend that has a space, you know, uh, ask them if if, if they want to, maybe host a show or something like that i think there's people will help you if you ask i think all the times or maybe they know somewhere that you can you know get a gig at or or coffee houses even i mean like you were saying about putting a show together with comedy it's the same kind of deal with music just if you think a a place could you know you could do something there ask them yeah they're not going to turn down people coming in (laughs) And we're back. We wanted to take a moment to talk to you about some events going on uh, in the city this weekend. And starting with today, there's an interesting event going on at the Myriad Botanical Gardens in Oklahoma City called the Busker Street Fair. It's from 5 to 8 p.m. I really don't know much about it. But I love the Myriad Gardens. I do yoga there every Saturday, 9 a.m. Oh, nice. Uh, 
uh, for free. <laughs> um, Saturday, there's an interesting event being put on by my friends at Mycelium Gallery. It's called Mycelium Sessions, featuring Ex Moxina, and that's going to be from 3 to 7. No cover. Go check it out. It's going to be, he's, he does this kind of lo-fi, kind of, uh, kind of ambient, kind of glitch music. It's very cool. It's going to be chill. You can go check out the artwork, maybe make a purchase, and just hang out. It'll be a fun, chill time. Nice. Uh, and then Sunday, there's a special event going on in El Reno uh, at Vices, 9 p.m. It's going to be the date night with the Martin Dupras 20th anniversary edition. It's the show that tries to get you laid. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, go oh, check that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that's all I have for the weekend. I know you have some more uh, specific things that you want to talk about for your comedy. So take it away, Nick. Yeah. So some things I'm doing this week. I'm doing uh, Wednesday night. I'm going to be hosting, stepping in for uh, Leo Mendes at Grand Royale at the Plaza for the open mic. Uh, they do a comedy. They do a mixed mic. So you got comedy as well as poetry and music. Um, I stick with the comedy now. I've been thinking about doing some music, but I'll be hosting that, so be sure to come out. And then the next day, Thursday, I'll be hosting JJ's Alley, also stepping in for Leo Mendes. Uh, he's a busy man. So. Sounds like Leo is dropping the ball a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things I like to say is... You're uh, there to pick it up. I'm there, yeah, well, I'm the step host. <laughs> you know, I'm not the host you want, but I'm the host you get. <laughs> You're the host we need right now. <laughs> Um, and then I have a show in Whitesboro, Texas at, uh, I think it's called Ranch 82. And, uh, it's going to be... Also, poster. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so we got that. And then the one that I really want to let everybody know about is Lively Comedy Showcase. Now, that's here in OKC. Uh, that's September 10th. The show starts at 6, but doors open at 5. And that's a showcase I run. Uh, we've been running it for the past five or six months now. It's been doing really well. And uh, and I really just want to keep the ball rolling on that. If you guys, anybody can come out, we really appreciate you. Um, the best thing about it is we give away door prizes. Mm -hmm. So if you, you come in, it's $8, uh, but you have the opportunity to win a $25 gift card to Lively Beer Works. You also have the opportunity to win beer packs, free beer, you know, mm -hmm. and then we provide a little game yeah. to put on the raffle as well. Um, we also give out free candy because that's how you win people over <laughs> and uh man it's just a really good time it's been a really great it's been a lot of fun so if you can make it to that lively comedy showcase we'd appreciate that um but other than that man i'm staying busy doing comedy mm -hmm. so what about you do you got anything going on any mm. anything in the works well i started a podcast uh so that's been taking up a lot of time but i'm uh, grateful for it to have something to do i am working on um a big project that's gonna be coming out pretty soon it's the full-length uh, album for Stolen Cable my last band. oh nice uh, we have 12 songs they're done they're um, we gotta get some artwork for the album and we're gonna hopefully have more information about that um, next week on the podcast hopefully but uh, yeah we're getting close we're, we're we're really excited for y'all to hear it. It's something we've been working on, I mean, as far as the music itself. Songs we've written over the past year that I think uh, are have come together, and, and this is the true representation of what we envisioned for those songs. So we're excited for, to show it to you, uh, you all. If you've seen us play, you've heard most of the songs, I'm sure, but this is the true version, and, and they're exciting to to be able to put that out there for people to hear and to immortalize that time of uh stolen cable that we had so uh, that's going to be exciting but stay tuned i'll have more information nice all right uh, well this has been the first episode of rhythm and wit with dave and nick um thanks for watching one last thing, 
If you have any questions or anything that you want to talk to us about, we or topics maybe or, or anything, email us. We have an email account at uh, rhythmandwit at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at rhythmandwit. Uh, yeah, I mean, we want to hear from you. We want to be involved with the community. So, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to be eventually getting guests on and all that. So, uh, look out for that. And, um, and yeah, we're very excited. Uh, we hope you all stay tuned and you're enjoying and learning something. And, and we're excited. So, thanks for watching. Yeah, appreciate you. I'm just going to stay up.